Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast, brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined this season by... This is Jordan here. Jordan, are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I am Jordan Eggleston on Twitter at JW Eggleston 7, even though right now I wish I wasn't. <laughs> and I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. It might be a quicker one tonight. Uh, five games to break down. Uh, I am certainly not at my best. I was hoping Sunday's podcast was from the weekend's activities uh, and me screaming at the top of my lungs. Um, maybe it had something to do with it, but more than that, I think I've got an ongoing something. I, I don't feel 100%, but... Crud. We're gonna, the crud, the crud. That's a good, good way of putting it. That's kind of what it feels like, but we will muddle through. Speaking of muddling through, uh, I don't know who had the worst week uh, this week, me or you, um, or, or I should say Iowa fans or Michigan fans would be the better way of putting that. Um, we're not going to avoid it. Uh, everybody knows what's going on out there. Everybody knows Jordan is a Michigan fan. Of course, we are alluding to the ongoing Spygate. Is that the official name? Is that what people are calling it? I I don't know. know. They're going to put a gate on the end of anything. You would think it'd be Signal Gate, but... Mm, Signal Gate. Okay. Going to be one of those two. Maybe we can coin that term. Maybe that's one that'll come out of this. The eyes on big Signal Gate. Um, Have we already had a Spygate? I feel like we've already had a Spygate. Yeah, Spygate was something else. I forget what that was. All right. Um, yeah, so anyways, what we're talking about is more and more quote-unquote evidence that's coming out against Michigan. Um, do you want to just go ahead and start out here, Jordan? Is there anything that you want to add, say, get off your chest? <laughs> there, there's there's nothing that I want to say about this because there's nothing that's good about any of this. Um, you know, initially when the reports come out, you look at it and think, okay, this is typical clickbaity stuff where there's just, there's not a whole lot here. This is people grasping at straws. But now it seems like every single day a different news outlet is dumping more and more and more. And then about, I don't know, 20 minutes before we pressed record here, the Washington Post drops an even bigger bombshell than pretty much any of the other ones. All of the other reports that had come out. I could read them and say, okay, I can find points in this where it's like, is this really that big of a deal? But this most recent one really does kind of, I I, I don't even know the right word to use. It just kind of puts a sour taste in my mouth about the whole thing. So essentially what the Washington Post said was they had video, they had access to Michigan computers, Hmm. whole nother story, Mm -hmm. that they found these clips and they found a schedule of games that Michigan was supposed to go scout and there was a $15,000 budget that was listed out in there. And it's just a whole lot of stuff. But so, I mean, all that information, that's, that's pretty damning. That's pretty hard to run away from. Um, And here, let me, let me jump in. The one thing that I still feel like I haven't seen, uh, and I'll be honest with you, uh, you know, partial illness and doing your job and doing your job when you're ill having spare time to dig into stuff has not actually been you know uh something i've found to do this week uh but i can't i still haven't seen anything that's explained to me what what the ramifications are you know what the penalty is for this like if we go through all of this and it winds up being that uh who, who who is the 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 uh navy officer uh what, what's Honor his Stallions. name yeah so if marine was, captain marine captain thank you yeah. for your service but you know right <laughs> you would um 
uh, what I was going to say is you would think he would cover tracks a little bit better, be a little bit more, you know, buttoned up uh, on his approach. Um, But if he winds up getting canned, which I mean, he's already on quote unquote, I think he's on paid leave right now. He's on paid leave right now. All right. There's, there's nothing criminal going on here. Okay. This is all like people are reacting as if these are criminal offenses. That's something that always blows my mind with these football offenses. It's like, wow, people are really, you know, really overreacting to this when things much, much worse happen that happen that all the time, you know, out in the streets and people don't even see and react to. Um, but people are are crazy about it. So if he winds up getting fired, okay, that's one thing. No Michigan fan is going to really bat an eye at that. Heck, I would even say if the ramifications are is that Jim Harbaugh loses his job after the season or isn't back, I think Michigan fans were essentially expecting that it's the the only thing Michigan fans are nervous about. If I can speak for you and then you can speak further. What effect does it have on this season? Vacating wins, things like that. We have been talking on how this is one of the most dominant Michigan teams we have ever seen. We're two thirds of the way through the regular season. Michigan fans have got to be thinking, can we continue on? Is there a path? where this team can keep playing that that's where the 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 consternation comes i would ex- i would assume yeah and well i mean for all anybody listening to this they understand the ncaa nothing is fast with them so if anything were to happen from this season it wouldn't be from the ncaa because they have to level accusations which they still haven't done yet and then michigan would have 90 days to respond to any anything the NCAA gives them. So simple math puts that out past January. So the national title game would already be over by that sense. So the, the thought amongst the circles right now is that the NCAA is supposed to be at Michigan tomorrow. We're recording this Wednesday night. Thursday, the NCAA is supposed to be at the University of Michigan. So for the first time in all of this, the University of Michigan is finally going to get something solid from the NCAA that's not from the tabloids because everything that I've read and people that I've somewhat talked to have said, Michigan knows nothing about any of this. Still all of this information that's coming out that you and me are reading, they're reading it at the same time. These are all just leaks that get out to the media right now. So, well, okay. And I understand you're saying that from a Michigan person's point of view. I don't want to use the term Michigan man <laughs> at this point uh, to elicit. The term any, might be dead. Yeah. This, but, think, you know. Yeah. Um, I, you know, obviously a, a Michigan state or Ohio state fan saying hear you saying Michigan doesn't know of any of this, that, that probably produced a belly laugh, you know, from a lot of Michigan rivals. Do you, so do you mean that you think Michigan still believes nothing happened or no, I'm saying that all of this, the evidence and these stories that are coming out, none of this is been presented to michigan yet got you got you so the ncaa has not given them anything they've just said hey we're investigating you for xyz and we'll be back and give you more information later they still have not gotten any more of that information so so they know that something happened they know that they're being investigated for the signal stealing but the details of it is they're finding out in these reports the same time we are just from what i've been reading gathered from people that i trust amongst the michigan beat that are usually pretty straight up about this kind of stuff 
they're laying it right out there and say that everybody that we've talked to said they they still have not gotten any information about what kind of evidence is what what they're being presented with. So um when this first broke, uh I'm I will pat both of us, I think, on the back, uh, Big Kurt behind the scenes, couple other people that we talked to, you know, behind the scenes. A pat on the back in that we said somebody has it out for Harbaugh. That's what it felt during this entire time. Well, there's a reason you trust your gut because my gut is apparently correct. That that person that has it out for him is Jim Stapleton, um, a former Michigan man uh, that decided he hates Jim Harbaugh, somehow got his way into the NCAA so that he could have some form of influence over the decision makers in the NCAA and then promptly presented them with information to attack Jim Harbaugh. I, you know, would you like to know how he got in on the NCAA? Because I I know go for it. He volunteered to join the NCAA committee on infractions because the quote was the NCAA needs help cleaning up all the messes. And I want to be part of that change. AKA. I hate Jim Harbaugh and I want to take him down. He's this dude is a partial owner of the Vikings. If I'm not mistaken, that's right? what I heard. That's what I heard. So some... and he's volunteering to join an infractions committee for a fake organization. Something stinks. Yes, I'm a Michigan fan, but I'm sorry. You will never convince me that that dude did not join this committee with nothing more than his Instagram with Jim Harbaugh. It's widely known that him and Harbaugh hate each other. It, they've they've hated each other for a long time. There's people that believe that Stapleton is the re- reason Harbaugh didn't get the Vikings job because he torpedoed him when he interviewed for that. So and, and then this goes way the, back and yeah, there there is there is many layers to this onion. Once you once I heard about the Jim Stapleton thing, I'm like, okay, we are getting we are getting closer to the source of the stink. Uh, to 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 continue on with the onion. And and let you know guess, but... before before this gets too far. And I, I I will say, if if what's I'm still in the camp of innocent until proven guilty. Yep. I, I believe that with every bit or of at my least, being, or at least country, or at least innocent until we hear both sides. Like we sure, are 100%. only hearing we are only hearing the anti Harbaugh anti Michigan side. Because Harbaugh and Michigan can't talk on it right now. Right. And, and exactly and anybody that is even remotely been put in a position like that has to at it's least right, like appreciate the frustration it would be to be a Michigan or Harbaugh person not being able to have their side of the story at all. Yeah. So having having said all of that, if if what we're reading is true and all let's say every bit of piece of it that's come out is true, which we know it won't be, everything there's always bits and pieces that aren't. Then Michigan deserves to be punished. Yes. And coaches deserve to be fired. And but the one piece of this that I hate and that I don't agree with is that these players on this I team agree. suffer for it because these players had nothing to do with it. If this if this is simple as one player going rogue and then taking it to coaches, then you get rid of those few pieces. If this is as much as coaches up the chain kind of orchestrating this behind the scenes, then they all need to go. I would 100% support that. I'm just not in the camp of right now in this moment with what we know saying I've seen things as crazy on Twitter as to say that Michigan can't play another game this season. That's ridiculous. Cause then like, now you're affecting teams that Michigan doesn't even play. Right. right? Cause now they exactly. can't have the, 
the tick the 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 gates you know at the at, for the tickets at the games they're playing and stuff like that yeah. so that that's ridiculous things don't move that quick in the ncat in uh nc2a in order for it to happen um like me and you talked offline i know who's going to come out the best in this situ- situation it's a team full of lawyers on both sides that's who's going to come 100%. out best with this um and and just to really quickly not go crazy further but the the Harbaugh to Vikings didn't go to the Vikings. Jim Stapleton being involved with the Vikings, but being a Michigan fan, there's there's still more layers to that. I mean, th- there's so much craziness going on with how that went down. Um, is that where the hubris of Harbaugh got himself? Where he knew Jim Stapleton didn't want him to interview for the job, and because nobody tells me what to do, Harb says, "Screw you! I'm going to go ahead and interview for that job." And, and that's one of those deals where it could be a classic case of be careful who you step on going up because those are the same people you see going down. And that that could be it. That could be where Harbs got himself here with that. And and it's not easy. You you get to be a powerful enough man, I would imagine. And and you're you're just sick of people challenging you all the time, you know, and you just want to get to the point where you're like, Hey, I'm just trying to do my job. Let me do my thing. And you got guys like Jim uh, Stapleton that want to get in on your shit and you just don't want to deal with it. So like, I'm sure that's where Hallball came from, but you've got to be selective on, on who you're doing that stuff to, because you never know when it's come back, going to come back to bite you, which it seems like it's got the potential to do here. Yeah. I mean, something, somebody's going to get fired. Something's going to come. Yes. It's not something that's just going to go away. I will say the only recorded rec- recorded incident similar to this and nothing we've seen nothing to this extent is the Baylor situation where the one assistant coach literally got caught at a game a few years ago. Okay. And like, like literally an assistant was actually at a game. That's the closest representation was, we've seen to this. Okay. And and he and got suspended for a half game or something like half that. Half a game. Correct. Okay. So, so, so if it's more, you know, if, if they're like, well, he only got caught at one game. So this is the suspension. If they find more and more of it, but then again, nothing came down on necessarily the program or the team there. Right. So like we, we still don't know. And then, yes, I immediately in my brain go to all of the horrible things that Kansas basketball has done <laughs> and nothing's yeah. happened to them. And that's well, what look I at Tennessee football, Tennessee football. I mean, my God, like LSU stole from a children's hospital. And that's, you know, that's what, and why is it that we hear more about this than that? Like, that's a disgusting act that happened. And it's just off and away because people are just like, well, I just don't want to talk about it. I don't, I don't get it. Um, well, I don't like you know, it. It's I, funny that you say that because you know, you know who the one group of people that aren't talking about it is? Other head coaches. Isn't it quiet. ironic that every single other head coach that's been asked about it, all they say is, Oh, yeah, we know we know that people do that. We know that this happens, blah, blah, blah. They nobody wants to even dip their toe in it. Do you wonder why? Well, okay. Do you want to answer your own question first, or do you want to give me my opinion? Oh, my, my my opinion is because everybody's doing some form of this. Okay, so maybe not to this level, but somebody's I, everybody's doing some form of this. And okay. if you're not, you're doing your program a disservice, in my opinion. All right, and I was going to say essentially the same thing, maybe a little bit worded, a little bit different, which is what level that people want this to be looked upon their own program. I went so far as to say in our group chat. If, if, you know, 
Iowa coaches aren't putting some sort of effort into reading and stealing signs, I'd be disappointed at this point. This point, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I feel like you and me probably follow the sport of college football more than 95% of the people that follow college football. Okay. You know, like I, I've, I've dug into this sport as much as, you know, as meant as most to people. an unhealthy level. <laughs> right. And, and like, you know, I knew that teams gave signals and I assumed that teams tried to decipher those signals. I didn't know that, you know, you, you were allowed to steal signals as much as possible. I, and I didn't know that it crossed the line when you went to another game to try to decipher said signals. I didn't, I didn't know that stuff until this. Story well, it's only been a rule did. since 1994. And the only reason the rule came into place is because bigger universities, i.e. the Michigan could afford to, to send their coaches right. to those games. And the smaller schools, like say a Western Michigan didn't have the funding to send people to do it, so they felt it was an unfair advantage. That's yeah. the only reason the rule ever came into play. And I do, I do get the reasoning behind that, but it's an old rule. I mean, we are seeing how archaic the NCAA is right now with Noah Shannon, which is another uh, situation. Like they retroactively said, "Okay, you're unsuspended." Now they're delaying his unsuspension, which is just another reason the NCAA is just ridiculous. Um, there probably is a part in where Jim Harbaugh and Michigan just want to say, screw you NCAA. What are you going to do about it? I wonder where Tony Petiti falls on this. I mean, this is the first or second biggest football program in his conference. Does he stand up? Is there a, a point where he has to stand up for Michigan, AKA the big 10, because taking down, a, you know, the flagship or one of the flagship programs, I ain't good for Tony Petiti's product. That's something I'm wondering about. You know, um, who else isn't going to like it is Fox. Fox. That's a great, great point. Didn't even think about that. In fact, they probably, I mean, we, we can all say that we, like, we love college football, but TV networks are running this sport. And I don't care what anybody says. That's absolutely the money is running it. And these TV networks are fronting the money. Fox will have a say in what yes. happens to Michigan because they're not going to allow one of their biggest products to just go away. Correct. And that's where this comes from. This is where it, it gets into the lawyer situation because exactly. Fox has got some deep pockets and some very talented lawyers. It's going to be very interesting. Yeah. Now, with all this being said, I do want to say, and you've already said it yourself, and you are the, the Michigan guy. I'm not going to use the term Michigan man. You're the Michigan guy, um, even though you are a grown-ass man. I just want to say that. Um you you said if they if it if what we're seeing turns out to be true and it is crossing the line, then they deserve to get reprimanded. So, one hundred percent, we are both in lockstep. If that's the case, correct? Yeah, I yep. agree completely. I hope it's not the case. I hope it's all fake because I don't want this season to be tainted with this. But I mean, at this point, it probably is. It's already poisoned, anyways. But. There'll be some truth. There'll be some not truth. Yep. Somebody's going to get fired. Somebody's going to get suspended. How high or how low it goes, nobody's going to no, no. know until this thing actually shakes out. I'm sick and tired of it. It's like, of course, God, and, it's gross. I'm just, I'm over the whole thing. And we, as a Big Ten podcast, the Eyes on Big Podcast, we typically don't talk on things until they're more factual. Uh, but we just went about, what, 15 minutes on this without even preemptively talking about what we were going to discuss exactly. at all. Exactly. 
because it's just hard to ignore. But yeah, I I wish there wasn't anything to talk about. But I wish even more that Michigan just never crossed the line of of doing this. If they did, then it wouldn't be brought up in the first place. Uh, speaking of things I didn't really want to talk about the rest of the week, the the Iowa Minnesota fight continues on uh, with the Cooper DeGene punt return. N- not going to talk more on this that or at least not that much more is what I, I should say as I'm literally bringing it up. The, the one thing I would say is. I don't think it is definitive on either Iowa side or Minnesota side. There are certainly things that can be brought up on both sides to at least say there is a debate here. That that that's where I officially stand on this. Here we are, what three four days after the game actually transpired. All right, should we go ahead and move forward with the actual football? God, I hope so. Fell in love with that we like actually talk about. (laughs) I just need a reprieve at this point. I know. Well, I hope that comes this weekend. You get a reprieve, I guess, in some capacity. I'm almost glad we don't play this weekend. I I really am. I think you should be, too. Only five big games this weekend, all on Saturday. Two early, two in the afternoon, one in the evening. Four big teams are idle this week. The much-aforementioned Michigan Wolverines, the Illinois Fighting Illini, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, and thankfully Iowa's offense. All six of these, all five of these games are played on Saturday, October 28th. First game up, the two and five Indiana Hoosiers at the six and one, number 10 ranked Penn State Nittany Lions. So still holding on to a top 10 ranking. That's good for the Nittany Lions. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on CBS line. Nittany Lions by 32 over under 46. So Vegas is saying something like 40 to seven, something like that. Got some pleasant weather in Happy Valley for this football contest. Yeah, the Nittany Lions lead the all-time series 24 to 2. Hoosiers have only mm. got two of them, and I think we remember one of them when the Panics yeah. really got erect on that final play <laughs> of the game. Yes, we do. So last year was 45-14 Nittany Lions. So history yep. is on Penn State's side, and me thinks future might be on Penn State's side too. Yeah, nothing I'm seeing here uh that would make me think this is an especially close football contest. Um I will say Indiana has come out fighting. Uh, even when maybe you wouldn't expect them to uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, again, we we don't like the whole hot seat things, but it continues to be tougher and tougher uh, for Tommy Allen to ignore it. I'm assuming and if that's the case for his uh, players. So the fact that they've come out fighting in most of these games, good for them. Sounds like quarterback Brendan Sorsby is going to be the starter again. And at first, okay. I do expect the Indiana defense to bow up and look, you know, formidable against a Penn State offense that I still consider very good, but not to the type of Penn State offense that can just blow the doors off a decent defense like the Hoosiers. So, you know, potentially it will be a little bit of a, you know, I don't know, sluggish type of game to to start. Yeah, one of the notes I had here was Penn State, this game goes one of two ways. Either they come out extremely pissed off after Mm. how last week went and they just completely murder Indiana from the start, or they come out a little lethargic, a little sleepy, and they kind of slog their way through this game. To me, for Indiana on defense, the big question is, did you learn anything from what Ohio State did to Penn State's offense? Because... Now, granted, you don't have the horses that Ohio State has on defense, but there are things that they did that you can try to replicate to at least slow this game down and maybe get this more in your ball club or in your ball game. Um, I want to see him play a lot of press man coverage and just load yep. up the box and say, Drew Aller, you got to beat me. And I think everybody's going to try to do that, uh, but I don't think the Penn State receivers are 
are so bad. I mean, I feel like they're right. getting they're getting they're getting dragged even too much by Penn State fans a little bit here, you know, like so certainly certainly um um that would be the game plan but most of what indiana tries to do to you is up front so that's where i would expect to see more blitzing and whatnot i do expect the slog fest here to start the game the weather's pretty nice the weather's pretty good so that kind of helps drew aller has been excellent at home um we talked about it on the last podcast uh but i still picked penn state anyways saying that that drew aller hasn't been as good on the road but he's back home now i just really think the factors here of the post game letdown um home crowd will help but how much of a desire the only thing i don't like about this pick that i'm going to throw out is the james franklin cover factor okay because it's still out there but if penn state just falls asleep a little bit on defense and let and lets indiana score some points I think that'll be enough to keep it within the 32. Um, I still haven't found out about Chop Robinson. I don't think he's playing this week. I don't know if you've heard that yourself, Jordan. I forgot to check with our Penn State insiders. I have, I have not heard anything about it. No. Yeah. I hope he's okay, but I, I would expect he's not playing in this game. And in the this, end, this I, I definitely f- smells like a spot where he's going to be out. Yeah, I would think so. So in the end, I feel like it's never going to be a game that Penn State is is you know in danger i also don't think it's going to be a game where penn state necessarily looks fantastic but i have penn state 34 indiana 7 uh so at uh 27 points there i've got a five point indiana cover and at 41 points i've got this five points under the game total yeah we see it pretty similar i agree with you i think this game comes out penn state's a little lethargic a little slow and maybe it's like a one score two two score game at half and then they eventually just kind of pull away from it so i've got indiana 10 penn state 41 so it's 31 points to be full disclosure i had it and even 32 and i kind of hope the line would move in my favor one way or another so i wouldn't have to move it but i know i have to take a side so i'm gonna take the 31 i'll give indiana those 32 points but that's safely over at 51 so all right, sticking in the morning window, the five and two Maryland Terrapins coming into Chi Town to take on the three and four Northwestern Wildcats. This is an eleven o'clock a.m. game on Big Ten Network. I should, I should, I should, should say they're coming into Evanston, not Chicago. That will that will tick some people off, namely namely a guy named Kurt. If I said that, <laughs> eleven o'clock a.m. game on BTN line Terps by thirteen and a hook over under forty eight point five. Vegas is saying something like thirty one to seventeen Terrapins. Weather looks pretty good in the Chicago land area. Yeah, only the uh, fourth meeting between these two teams. And Northwestern leads the all-time series 2-1. to one. Terps did win last year 31-24. So last year's game played very similar to what the line is calling for this game. Only a seven-point difference in what last year's score was to this year. Yeah, so. um, what to make about the Wildcats, right? Um, they seem to be maximizing everything they can. Um I will say, I mean, I, I I don't think it doesn't sound like Ben Bryant is back. Um, I do kind of wonder if that's playing into this line a little bit because it sure seems like Vegas wants us to take <laughs> Maryland to cover the third. Feels that way. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but Brandon Sullivan looked pretty darn good last week when he had you know kind of two weeks to um, uh, uh, get under the offense and go against a tough nebraska defense i'm not saying they had all kinds of success versus nebraska but he took some shots and they were there i I still think bryce kurtz is good they got a decent rushing attack i wonder if that's kind of what vegas is seeing on why they got this line under two touchdowns 
Yeah, I'm, that's that's what has me wondering too. Because obviously, if Ben Bryant's playing, you feel a little more confident about that thirteen and a half. But I do think this Northwestern offense will be able to get a little bit on Maryland. This Maryland defense, Maryland's defense at times has shown spots where they give up plays, and I think that's exactly what Northwestern looks for offensively. They want to try to find, like you said, Kurtz in an open field, AJ Henning running free once in a while, and I think they get a little bit of that. The bigger question for me for Northwestern is, can this defense do anything to slow down this Maryland offense? Right. So, um, I know, okay, I, I it's going to be nice. Weather. Well, the, one of the first things I looked at here is how windy is it going to be near the Windy City, okay? It looks like it's going to be pleasant because, obviously, the, the, the offense goes through Leah in this passing attack. Coming off an idle week, okay, does that help them? Do they need to kind of get away and recharge things a little bit? I do think those things help. But I think Northwestern is still a smart, well-coached team, you know, and they will do a very good job of limiting the big plays from the Maryland uh, passing offense. I didn't see, I didn't say zero. Okay. I said limiting the big plays from the Maryland passing attack. That is what I'm reading into the spread is that Vegas also thinks 11 o'clock kickoff, all of these factors that are in there, that it will be a little bit closer game than maybe some people would look, you know, on the outside. Yeah. That, and that's, that's extremely possible. The question will be, does, does Leah have those game this game where he throws the ball to the wrong team again? And yes. when he, when he does that, this line becomes very, very tough to cover very quickly. So if it's good, Leah, <laughs> I think 13 and a half, right. I feel comfortable. If it's bad, Leah, this line gets, it's really sneaky, and then you start talking about Northwestern pulling off another upset. I think it's going to be mediocre, Leah. Okay, I, I certainly if this is if this is excellent, Leah, Maryland wins the game for sure and covers. Okay, probably covers almost for sure, easily. Right. I, I don't think I'm going to get that. I we're going to get that quite as much. So I, I've got Maryland 27, Northwestern 14. So that's a that's a half cover for Jordan. Jordan is giving me an eye. I can't wait to see what his prediction is. So at 41 points, I've got this going comfortably under. This was definitely something I looked at for my Amador double barrel lock of the week. And I'm just going to throw this little tidbit in. The whole point on money line bets is that you put a small amount of money in thinking that it would pay off. You could find a worse money line bet this weekend than putting just a small amount of shekels, units, whatever you want to call it on the Wildcats. Yeah, for every single thing that we just said about if Leah's having a bad game, this money line, 100%, mm-hmm. it's a good little sprinkle spot. Well, we've done it a few times, and we've done it again. Jeez. I have Maryland 27, Northwestern 14. I see the exact same game that you see. I Unbelievable. mean, I, I think I think this game is close, and eventually Maryland pulls away from it. But again, that's 13 points. That's just under, and that's safely under the total number. So. Okay, so that's our. This is our. I'm almost positive this is our fourth one because I thought I'm about it. Sure. Because the third we we did three. We're two and one when we totally agree with each other. So we either move to yep. 500 when we're completely predicting so, the exact same score, or we go to three and one. Gambling odds right now say that's in our favor. So you might as well you might as well play it. We'll see if something we'll see if somebody plays this again. Interesting. I swear, folks, we are not trying to do this. And no. I, I mean, Jordan, I just don't remember Kurt and I ever doing that well like, but I, see but we're both gamblers i do and think that plays into it that plays into it a little bit because yes. i look at the numbers and it, I, I when i talk about these games yeah. i talk about these games based on the numbers a little bit so but that I, matters but i do my best to look at this separate from the lines before i start building the lines into it but 
it's still crazy but to, to still predict the exact same score four times <laughs> and we're not even you know all the way through the season that's pretty crazy all right moving into the afternoon the two and five michigan state spartans coming into deaky town to take on the four and three minnesota golden gophers this is a 2 30 p.m game on big 10 network line gophers by seven over under 40.5 vegas is saying 24 to 17 30 degrees, wind, rain, sleet, snow. It is all on the menu in Minnesota this weekend. Yeah, uh, you guys can keep that up there yeah. as far as I'm concerned. I don't want any of it down this way. But Sparty leads the all-time series 30-18, to 18, uh, including last year's – do I have that right? Last year, 34-7, wasn't that? Yeah. I'm going to have to look that up. That, or it was either last year or the – Or is the, that right? No, I think it was last year, I think. Yes, it was last year. It was like their fourth game of the year. Yep. Okay. I did right last year in here, but I just didn't feel yep. right. So 34-7 last year in East Lansing. So so obviously the Gophers coming off a huge win uh, down in Iowa City, getting PJ, getting uh, Floyd for the first time. Creepily. And apparently doing some very weird things Ooh. with Floyd. So, you know, I, I hear from some people like, well, he was joking. So you're joking about was he? taking was Floyd he? home and having the axe in bed with you and your wife? Oh, wow. Anyways, uh, but with that being said, whether where whether uh, Floyd or the axe is now, uh, it's something that is big to Minnesota. So you know, I'm not sure if this is necessarily quite as big as uh, you know Maryland coming off a loss to Ohio State or Penn State coming off a loss to Ohio State or the wins. You know, on the other side of it, point I'm trying to make here horribly is the big feel next game thing. I don't know if we completely have that with Minnesota, but I think it plays into a little bit of what I'm going to wind up predicting here. It wouldn't surprise me to see a stop start from Minnesota to get this game going. Yeah, the classic letdown after a big game. You know, it's 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 a thing. I think there's actually somebody that did a study on it out there on, on games where after a high emotion win, there was a certain percentage of losses that came afterwards. Sure. So it's yeah. a thing. It's a real thing. I think but, the, the good part for the Gophers is this is at home. Right. And so traveling on the road after that would make it a lot harder. And Michigan State also just played in a quote-unquote big game. Now, that big game was over before the end of the first quarter. So that's a different kind of thing, too. But this is a different style. And what this style is, is was that their one last shot that Sparty had to try to salvage their season you know, taking Michigan into the fourth quarter reignites your your season. Didn't happen at all. So, and and now we've got a couple extra guys that got in the transfer portal. Your your guy on the D line uh, jumped in the transfer portal this week. That's a big deal. So it's it's two emotionally you know challenged football programs playing in this game. It adds, I think, to the confusion of where this line and total and everything is at. Personally. Yeah, I mean, if you were Michigan State, if you had just a little bit to take away, like you said, you took Michigan to the, Michigan to the fourth quarter, but there wasn't just – there was, like, nothing you could really take away from that game. And I think PJ might have said it best when he was talking about scouting for this game. He said he wasn't even going to watch the tape from the Michigan game because he just didn't think it had any bearing nope. on what he was going to see. Nope. So, to me, Michigan State, you, you've got to get something besides Nathan Carter on offense. If you want this – if you want to go on the road and get this win, you've – it can't just be him because we've seen Minnesota's defense against good rushing attacks, probably better rushing attacks than Michigan State, completely shut them down. 
So it's got to be something besides Nathan Carter. So you need Hauser, you need Malik Carr, you need some of these other weapons on the offense to try to do something to help open this game up for you. And you beat you, Malik Carr. Uh, that was who I was going to recommend is the guy that I would think would work out the best. Um, uh, Minnesota's linebackers are are active against the run. I don't think they're especially good against the pass. I think Malik Carr is somebody that could do a little bit of damage. But is Kate Hauser going to be the guy that takes advantage of it? And then just overall, the entire Michigan State Spartan experience, is it another game where they're going to turn the ball over like crazy? Is it possible for them to play well and not turn the ball over? We've hardly seen it. Even the first two games of the year that they won, they were a little bit sloppy. So now you got to do it after the Michigan game coming into Minnesota in rough weather. I don't know. That's that's tough for me. And a, and a Minnesota team that really seems to be getting healthy. Now they have all their horses back. And like you mentioned, the Simeon Barrels in the transfer portal now. So do does Minnesota really feast on the interior of that Michigan State defensive line now with with Taylor and Evans and them? Yeah, this, well, this could get out of hand quick that way. Evans, I think, is gippy at best. So I don't, I'm not 100 percent sure if he's going to play in this game. So I, I I would think it would be a lot of Darius Taylor, uh, Cody Lindbergh, their linebacker. I mean, they've wanted him back all year, and he has not been able to get healthy. So I don't know. If Minnesota fans feel like they're completely healthy, but healthier. No, so that's what I'm saying. They're getting right. better. They're right. A lot of teams in the Big Ten West are trending the other direction Correct. right now with the injuries. It does seem like Minnesota's getting guys back yeah. at and least versus losing more. Nebraska <laughs> would kill for this right now. Right. And part of it was they were coming off an idle week, sure. you know, last week too. So that would help out. So I'll be honest with you. I like two things in this game quite a bit. Uh, I, I I went back and forth on which one I decided on, uh, but this is what I went with. So I've got Minnesota. 24 Michigan State 10 so at 36 points I do like that as an under and with Minnesota covering by two touchdowns I've got a whole touchdown over that seven point spread so that is my Amador double barrel lock of the week so I have we we, we see another very similar game here okay um I I have Minnesota 24 Michigan State 13 Okay. So that's 37. That's 11 points. But like you, I am also locking up Minnesota minus seven as my Amador double barrel lock of the week. This is getting freaky. We don't even really talk. That, we don't. We don't. We have especially not games. this week because this week has just been hell. I've been so busy. You've Me been too. busy, not yeah. feeling well. We have hardly talked at all about this. So crazy. Well, since we both had the Amador Double Barrel Lock of the Week, let's go ahead and get to this. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates characteristics from the individual barrels that are blended together to make an exceptional whiskey. Perfect sip, neat, or in your favorite bourbon cocktail, Amador is the perfect go-to this fall and game day. Amador Whiskey Company, born in Kentucky, raised in California. I don't know how much bourbon I'm going to be putting down this weekend unless this uh, crud clears out of myself. Well, if, if this game, if this Michigan stuff doesn't clear, I'll be putting down a lot of it. <laughs> All right. Sticking into the afternoon for one more game. The two and five Purdue Boilermakers at the four and three Nebraska Cornhuskers. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on FS1 line. Huskers by two and a half over under 39 and a half. Vegas is saying wow. 21 to 19, something like that. Um, 30 to 40 degrees, a little bit warmer, but we could have a rainy, sleety mix here uh, for this for this game. That line trending down makes me feel a little ucky about my pick here. But anyways, yeah. Purdue does lead the all-time series 
43-27 in West Lafayette last year. So wow. that's kind um, of surprising. Close, close series altogether. This game, more than any game, I think, was the one that I struggled with the most. Okay. I'm trying to get a good feel and a good read on it because it just there's too many different layers and too many different levels to what this game is for why this line is only is. two and a half points. Yeah, uh, well, there's a lot going on here. I, I, I agree. Uh, first of all, a lot going on with Ryan Walters. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why he would yeah. do it, but he gets up in the press conference and 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 talks about how much he can't stand Nebraska. That's just going to ignite Nebraska fans, you know, that much more. And and, and I don't know if anybody else out there has noticed, but Nebraska fans are rather large on social media. They're out there in droves. So yeah, and uh, uh, what he should be more concerned with, to be honest with you, is his offensive line going against this Nebraska yeah. defensive line. Uh, I would think that would be the thing that would cause him the most consternation. Um, the other thing that's going on in this game, as far as, you know, factors that are kind of uh, out there, uh, every time you refresh Twitter, essentially on Sundays and Mondays, it's just another person on the Nebraska offense that is out for the season. They lost. It's wild. It, it's, it it's really wild. wild. It is crazy. Um, I'll say this joke on the podcast because I didn't want to put it on Twitter and get attacked. You know, the last couple, <laughs> the last couple, it's not, well, I, it's, it's not mean spirited. It's just an observation. But the last couple of years, they kept they kept waiting for Thomas Fedoni to be a weapon on offense, and he could never get healthy. This year, Fedoni is the only one that stayed healthy on this <laughs> offense. Everybody around him has gotten yeah. injured. I'm not even really. That's pretty much how it is. Like, no, you're, you're more, not wrong at no. all. It's 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 almost if you if you weren't seeing it with your own eyes you almost wouldn't believe it like it's, Correct. it's crazy how many players have surely gotten injured and the 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 more crazy part about it they're still 4 and 3 yep this and, is still a better team than it was under Scott Frost with all is. these injuries yeah i can't that's a great point i i can't imagine how bad this would look if it was Scott Frost mm. keep oh yeah. that's a i not to go down a, a imaginary path but it, i mean it is a fair point it's a compliment to Matt rule i mean a lot of the stuff that he's been that is the tenants of his coaching it's still there you know like he all the things he's hitting on i think you're starting to see it they are still turning the ball over though okay um a week ago podcast i said you know nebraska is going to cover this because i'm expecting them to finally play a clean game first pass of the game tipped interception doesn't lead to points but another interception after that that's been heinrich harberg as we kind of said in the in the uh, podcast breakdown um, we had been leaning toward Heinrich Harburg because A, he's winning games, and B, he wasn't turning the ball over like his predecessor. Not exactly been the case now. So, like, I, I guess I would say it again. Nebraska, you are struggling on offense with keeping guys healthy. The one thing that even the third stringers can do is not turn the ball over. It has got to be the number one, two, and three goal for this Nebraska team going into this game. Yeah, I literally wrote down here, run the damn ball and don't turn it over. That's it. Like, I mean, that's 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 what this game plan has to be if you're Nebraska, especially in this game against a Purdue defense that has been, let's be honest, awful this not year. Not good. Not a, a not a good defense. And then even more so, this is where I thought you were going with it, a Purdue offense that primarily wants to put the ball in the air in order to move the ball. Now you're putting the ball in the air against this Nebraska defense that I, I will admit that the best way to touch them up is in the back seven. That's that's my opinion, okay? Um, no, I agree. Okay, but but it's going to be rainy and sleety and crappy weather. So 
And they turn the ball over as well. It's not like Hudson Carr doesn't put the ball in harm's way either. So, like, I'm not joking. Sometimes it is, it is as simple as it seems. You were correct on our last podcast when you talked about how these offensive coordinators overthink things. I think Satterfield overthought things against uh, uh, last weekend, okay, against Northwestern. And and Jake Butt, your your former Michigan guy, who, by the way, I think does an, an excellent job breaking down games. Um, and he was saying yeah, the he's same got thing. Yeah, he's got a good future in the game. And I like, by the way, I like Devin Gardner too. The FS1 crew. He, he's, he's a little more. He's a little more animated, but Devin's fun. He, he I, I like I, that crew. That FS1 or FS2 crew that Devin Gardner is on. That, that's a, that's a good crew. Uh, but, but Jake Butt was saying the same thing uh, last weekend when he was breaking down Nebraska. He's like, you know, I'm surprised. I'm surprised to see Nebraska come out and run the ball so much here. Ne- then Nebraska stopped throwing the ball and they ran the ball. And guess what? They took the game over. So if I'm frustrated with anything with Satterfield, it's like, dude, just do what you got and, and run with what you have. So I, I, I would assume that's what we'll see this Saturday. It has to be the game plan. And on the other side of the ball, like you said, Purdue wants to air it out. That means Hudson Card's got to be the guy. Um, the question I have there is, can he have any time to throw the ball? Because we know that this we know this Nebraska front can be kind of nasty, and they're very good against the run. You mentioned the leakiness against or in the back seven. So can this Purdue offensive line give Hudson Card any time? Because this offense has shown with Burks and Card and those yes. guys, they, they can put points up and they can hurt sure. you if you give them just a little bit of time. And I'm not saying you completely abandon the throw game if you're Purdue because of Deion Burks and those tight ends. They they are good, and, and you want them to be incorporated in the game plan. Uh, but be selective with, with what you're doing with the ball, Hudson Card. And then don't forget about the running attack. I do think part of what plays into the Nebraska rushing stats is nobody's even trying to run the ball against them. Doesn't seem like Purdue would be the team that would stay committed to the run. With with that being said, there are times where I see Purdue having success running the ball because nobody expects them to run the ball and Crazy Legs gets out there and, and does it. So this is a little bit more intriguing game than maybe people are giving it credit for. Um, this is this could be a, a your soup du jour for the Wild Wild West game of this weekend. It, it could be this one right here. Yeah, and I think, like I said, that that's probably speaking to what the line is here at, at yeah. only two and a half points. But so I've done this a few different times with games this year and games that I think are close. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to lean on my old faithful when it comes to my picks here. I'm going to take the best unit in this game, and I think the best unit in this game all around is the Nebraska defense. So I'm taking Nebraska 21, Purdue 17. So that's four points. So Nebraska covers, staying under that number, though, and I think the weather plays a part in that. I think Purdue's inability to be able to throw it as much as they want to because of the weather keeps this under that total. Well, we we didn't agree perfectly here, but if you chop off exactly four points that you predicted for each team, then we do have the exact same score. I have Nebraska <laughs> 17, Purdue 13. So at 30 points, I've got that going way under the game total. I jumped on this one. Mean this is one of the few that me and you talked about on Sunday. I said, Jordan, which way do you think this is going to move? And you thought it would move down. And we were both correct on this. So I've liked the under right when I saw it on Sunday. And even at 39 and a half, I still like this thing going under that game total. And I, I agree and by the completely. way, if I would have hit my Amador lock of the week last week, 
with Nebraska, this would probably be my Amador lock of the week again, is taking <laughs> this to go under, but I'm taking my own advice. You're dead to I'm, me, Huskers. You're dead right. to I'm, me. I'm staying away from them. All right, that brings us to the... Dick 10 game of the week. Getting 58% of the 489 votes, the 7-0, number three-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes coming into Cheeseland to take on the 5-2 Wisconsin Badgers. This is a 6.30 p.m. game on NBC. I believe this will be the funeral crew line. Buckeyes by 14 and a hook over under 45.5. Vegas is saying 29-14. to 14. Buckeyes looking cool but pleasant in uh, Madtown. So the Buckeyes... Lead this series all times 62, 18, and 5. I actually would have thought the Badgers would have had a little bit more success in this. They had some good years in there, but Buckeyes have also won nine in a row, including last year in the Toilet Bowl 52-21. 18 wins ain't, ain't too bad here. Um, yeah, but I would have thought maybe you get closer into that mid to, mid to upper 20s range in this series. I'm just, but. I'm just saying... You look up Ohio State's record versus anybody. It's oh yeah, I know they dominated most teams. Yeah. Um, All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and start with the home team here. Um, Showed some, you know, they showed some 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 pills last week. I mean, they were down and out versus Illinois. I I rewatched that game. Um, Even rewatching it and knowing that they were going to come back and win the game, you're sitting there like, how how exactly did this go down? Because uh, truth be told, I, I couldn't get all my the eyes I wanted to on this game last weekend. And they came back with just making plays yep. when they needed to and never saying die and getting getting this game. Now, Illinois assisted with that for, for sure. Um, I'm wondering how big of a deal that is for Wisconsin moving forward. If I was Luke Fickle, I would love if this was somebody else <laughs> that we were playing this weekend, you know, like a more a more gettable team to try to build some more momentum underneath yeah. a young quarterback. Now you got the Buckeyes coming in. So if I'm looking at this from a Wisconsin fan, I just think it's a it's it's always going to be a tough draw when you get, you know, one of the big three. But this is this is a really tough draw for where Wisconsin's getting Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, if you're Wisconsin, you have to you have to lean on Braden Locke a little bit too. I mean, you saw good things. Yes. I I liked what I saw. You know, there's more of the gunslinger type, more of the air raid style that we've yep. we've seen that the, you know the dairy raid, or whatever they were calling it to start <laughs> the year. Like, I, I'm interested to see if it this offense trends more towards that. Because of this Ohio State defense, what we've seen is it's it's nasty, yep. and they don't let people run the ball on them. So it might be a situation where you need to air it out a little bit more to try to have some success. Yeah, as the story has gone this week with Braden Locke, is maybe he's actually a better fit for the Dairy Raid slash Air Raid um, than Tanner Mordecai. It's pretty much all he ran during high school. If if I can make an observation, I felt at times the ball was actually coming out maybe even a little bit quicker and harder than what the receivers were used to. Okay, okay, you kind of nodding versus Tanner Mordecai. Oh, I agree there, with you. Okay, there was, there was a significant amount of drops, or maybe in some spots where you thought the wide receiver was supposed to be where a, a couple yards over where Locke put the ball. So that, that would constitute being, quote-unquote, out of sync. I don't know if you fix that in one game, one fourth quarter in practice, but... I don't know. Like, if you, if you, if your goal is to win this game, which I would hope it would be, if your goal is to win this game, I, I don't know how well they're going to beat up Ohio State up front with the Wisconsin offensive line. 
I would think you just say screw it and try to throw the ball and 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 get yards that way, especially when it looks like it's supposed to be pretty nice in Madison on Saturday. Yeah, I, I actually, I think it was Devin Gardner that was on the call for this game, if I remember correctly. Yeah, uh, yeah. He even ma- even made the he even made the comment during the game. He's like, you know, you got an air raid quarterback here who's now in an air raid system. Those guys need to get into the rhythm. They need to yes. feel the rhythm of throwing the ball and getting the ball out and doing it. So the reps and practice and just literally time on task and doing it, maybe that's enough to get the timing, get the sequence down enough to at least keep this game plucky and close, where Camp Randall can can take over and be a part of this game you've got to have your home field has got to be a home field advantage that's you can't i mean and camp randall's such a good and fun environment you can't let that place go stale early on or the ohio state could run away with this quickly well early on uh the wisconsin student section gets a lot of crap for not filling up their seats right when the game starts maybe for this one right a 6 30 p.m game should be plenty liquored up i i would think they would have enough time to get to their seats to watch the number three team in the country play switching to the other side here's what i expect i expect kyle mccord to be 22 of 32 for 296 yards and two touchdowns and it won't feel like it until you look at the stats afterwards I, i i we have to come to expect that every single game mccord takes the field I mean, at some point, he is what his numbers say he is, and he's doing something very similar to that every week, so why not? The big question for me with Ohio State's offense is the health. You know, we've had a lot of dinged-up running backs. Double E hasn't played in a few weeks. You know, there was some gimpiness going on in the Penn State game. You just played a tough physical game against a good Penn State team. We talked about a letdown game with Minnesota. Is this a potential letdown game for Ohio State? There's a lot of factors that could go into this for Ohio State's offense to get into a a sleepy environment and find themselves in a game that they shouldn't be in late in this game. See, you said sleepy environment. I I think you mean kind of it could be the general feel of Ohio State to start the game out. I wonder if this is one of those rare occasions where because it's not a sleepy environment, it's, 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 you know, Camp Randall at night. I'm not saying it necessarily plays in Ohio State's favor, but... Maybe it gets them, you know, there's a little bit more juice to start the game. Because I, I tell you one thing. If you're thing, Wisconsin, you wanted this game at 11 a.m. is kind of what you're saying. Would you, I, what, I'm asking you, pretend, you know, put a big cheese, you know, brick on top of your head. Would you rather this be 11 o'clock or at night? As a fan, I always, if I'm on the road, I want to play. I want my games at 11 o'clock. If okay. I'm on the road, I don't want them at night. Okay. Because I think the crowds are better at night. Okay. So I, I almost think the night game plays to Wisconsin's right. advantage in my Okay. Opinion. I mean, that's not it's not making an outlandish statement, right? You're talking about a big stadium having electricity at night, so I'm, I'm not totally against you. Um, I know there's some banged-up guys on this Ohio State team. Here's what I know. That Ohio State defense is freaking ridiculous. That quarterback is playing more efficient than you think. That wide receiver is the best wide receiver and probably football player in the entire country, and that tight end gets open and makes plays. Like, th- those entities... Marvin Harrison, Kyle McCord, Cade Stover, and that Ohio State defense, they have been there all season long. I see no reason to believe that that's not going to be the case on Saturday night. Yeah, I mean, at some point, you just have to say the best players are going to make plays in the biggest moments, right? And it seems like if you're looking at the best players, Ohio State's offense, as dysfunctional as they may be at times, they still have those playmakers and those home run hitters that just always seem to find a way to show up in the biggest moments yep. when they need them to. Yep, go for it. So it hurts my heart 
but I have to go with what my head says in this situation. So I'm taking Ohio State 31, Wisconsin 17. So that's only 14. That hook yep. gets me. That hook gets me. I'll take the Badgers with the hook. But that's 48 points. That's comfortably over. I think Ohio State's offense does does a little bit better and clicks a little bit more. All right. Um, we're not too far off here. Uh, I, I I don't mean to look at things through Hawkeye-colored glasses, but here, here here's something I just can't get around is Ohio State's defense and Iowa defense, fair to say, both really good defenses, right? Um, Ohio, Iowa's defense did very well versus this Wisconsin offense. So I, I predict that Ohio State's defense will do very well versus this Wisconsin offense. The big difference, of course, being Ohio State's offense is light years above Iowa's offense. And, and that's a very simple breakdown. I do think Wisconsin's kicker could play into this game. Kicking, you know, making big kicks kind of in the first half to keep Wisconsin in this game. But in the end, there's just too much Marvin Harrison, Cade Stover, and Ohio State defense. I've got Ohio State 31, just as you did. I got excited when you started out with that. But I have Wisconsin 13. So at 44 points, I got that just going under. I think I predicted all unders this week. It's just how it landed. And at uh, and I've got that going uh, four and a half points over the game total or uh, over the spread. So I feel I feel pretty confidently about the Buckeyes. I wish that hook wasn't there. I'm I'm still sticking around to see if I get lucky if that hook goes away. But my guess is it'll probably go in the opposite direction. There's point. a there's a reason that hook is there, yeah. and I think that's a very I, that's a very important hook when it comes to the gambling sense. And what you're saying is you don't expect the the hook to be taken away. I don't think so. I I could you know I no I think it's going to go the other way if anything. All right. Well, there it is. Got through it pretty quick. You're, you're bummed out. I'm bummed out. I'm not feeling good, but man, we just we just continue to perform, Jordan. That's what we do. Well, you know, come come hell or high water, signs stolen or burgers bought, I'm here to provide the analysis as best as I can. So that's good, man. Maybe I'm just really tired, but that that struck my my funny bone. All right, <laughs> I am Jeffrey the Greek. I am Jordan, and don't forget to ask for Amador. This has been the Eyes Up Big Podcast. We'll talk to you soon.